The room was filled with a who's who of government agencies. Representatives from Defense, State, USAID, and others gathered. Their collective attention focused on the impending invasion of Iraq and its aftermath. The specter of Saddam Hussein's troops setting the oil wells ablaze loomed large, and the question on everyone's mind was, who would be tasked with the monumental job of extinguishing these fires and restoring the oil flow? From SRM Plus, this is the Halliburton procurement scandal. Enter the REO project, Restore Iraqi Oil, a project of such magnitude that it promised not just billions in contracts, but also immense power and influence in the reshaping of post-war Iraq. Lieutenant General Carl A. Strzok, a key figure in the Army Corps, was present. Greenhouse remembered him well, for it was he who would later spearhead the campaign against her. As discussions progressed, it became evident that the decision wouldn't just be about capability or expertise. It was about connections, influence, and the age-old game of quid pro quo. The Corps had a history, like many government agencies, of its senior officers transitioning to lucrative positions in the very companies they once negotiated with. Halliburton and Parsons were prime examples. Greenhouse, with her commitment to ensuring a fair share for small and minority-owned businesses, was often a thorn in their side. She'd always been meticulous, ensuring that the law was upheld. But as the stakes got higher with the Iraq War on the horizon, the rules of the game seemed to be changing. The meeting at the Pentagon was not just about awarding a contract. It was a testament to the intricate dance between corporate interests and governmental decisions, a dance that would have far-reaching consequences for Iraq, the U.S., and Greenhouse herself. The tension in the room kept growing as Greenhouse approached Lieutenant General Strzok, her whispered words urging the removal of KBR representatives. While Strzok acquiesced, his stance on awarding KBR the contract due to a compelling emergency remained unyielding. Greenhouse's only recourse was to limit the contract's duration. The following day, the final contract landed on Greenhouse's desk, its terms unchanged. With the weight of impending war pressing down, she signed but not without adding a cautionary note, emphasizing the importance of competition and the potential negative perceptions of a prolonged sole source contract. For KBR, this contract was a goldmine, potentially raking in $7 billion marking just the beginning of its lucrative ventures in the Iraq War. Whispers and speculations began to circulate, hinting at Vice President Dick Cheney possible involvement in steering the REO contract towards KBR. While there was no concrete evidence, certain breadcrumbs seemed to lead back to his office. Michael Mobbs, a political appointee, had informed various White House officials, including Cheney's chief of staff, Scooter Libby, about KBR's role in the Rio plan. Although Cheney's spokesperson would later claim that Libby kept Cheney uninformed, an unearthed Army Corps email suggested coordination with the vice president's office. Reports even emerged of direct meetings between Halliburton executives and Cheney's staff. KBR, however, remained steadfast in its assertion. The vice president had no hand in its Iraq contracts. But in the intricate web of politics, power, and profit, the lines between truth and speculation often blur, leaving more questions than answers. Greenhouse perceived a deeper game being played, one that extended beyond mere contracts and into the realm of departmental politics and influence. She believed that the Corps, traditionally seen as a group of meticulous engineers, was being sidelined by Rumsfeld, 
who had voiced his skepticism about their role. Rumsfeld's suggestion of relocating the corpse to the Interior Department was a blow to its pride and legacy. Lieutenant General Robert B. Flowers, the corpse's chief engineer at the time, was determined to prove the corpse's worth and keep it within the U.S. Army's fold. In Greenhouse's eyes, the corpse was being used as a pawn. The Department of Defense, which would typically oversee a contract like Rio, might have wanted to distance itself from the potential controversy of a sole source contract with KBR. By letting the Corps handle it, they could ensure KBR got the contract while deflecting any potential backlash. The corpse, eager to prove its metley and remain relevant, might have been all too willing to play along. However, the anticipated destruction of the Iraqi oil fields didn't materialize as expected. KBR, ever adaptive, pivoted its role to address Iraq's immediate fuel needs. The U.S. military's prolonged stay in Iraq also meant more contracts for KBR, particularly under the Log Cap Initiative for troop support. But as Marie de Young, a KBR logistics specialist, would later point out, the Log Cap system was rife with potential pitfalls, from mismanagement to outright corruption. One contract that drew de Young's attention was related to laundry services for all contractors and military personnel at a nearby base. The bill for this service, according to DeYoung, skyrocketed from $62,000 a month to $1.2 million a month in just about 60 days. Based on the number of people whose laundry was being done, DeYoung estimated that, on average, a 15-pound bag of laundry was costing $108. Curiously, around the same time, KBR was paying $28 per bag under a different contract at another site and that contract was also with the same company, known as La Nouvelle. According to her estimation, the monthly bill should have been $200,000, not $1.2 million. When DeYoung presented her findings to the supplier representative, the supplier reached out to a KBR vice president for assistance, an individual who, DeYoung claims, wasn't involved in procurement and should not have had authority over the contract. Nevertheless, this VP held a high-ranking position within KBR in Kuwait, and within 24 hours, D. Young was removed from the La Nouvelle account. Halliburton spokeswoman Wendy Hall publicly stated to the Houston Chronicle that the company's internal auditing system had raised concerns about La Nouvelle, resulting in La Nouvelle being removed from consideration for future work. La Nouvelle, on the other hand, asserted that KBR owed them hundreds of millions of dollars, on October 15, 2004, La Nouvelle took legal action, filing a lawsuit in a Virginia federal court, seeking at least $220 million in compensation and other damages. KBR had taken on the task of importing fuel into Iraq from Kuwait as part of its revised responsibilities under the $7 billion RIO contract. To carry out this endeavor, they had enlisted the services of a little-known Kuwaiti subcontractor called the Altanmia Commercial Marketing Company, which had no prior experience in fuel procurement or transportation. An email discovered later from the U.S. Embassy in Kuwait would describe the Altanmia arrangement as a SOP to the U.S. government. Altanmia did manage to deliver the gasoline, but at an average cost of $2.65 per gallon. This was more than twice the rate that Iraq's state oil marketing organization, SOMO, was paying which was an average of just 97 cents per gallon for gasoline imported from the same Middle Eastern countries that Altanmia was sourcing from. KBR was paying Altanmia's invoices without raising objections, while they were being reimbursed by the U.S. government at a cost-plus rate.
By the end of September 2003, the Defense Contract Audit Agency, DCAA, the Defense Department's auditing office, would conclude that KBR had overpaid by as much as $61 million, and these excessive costs were ultimately passed on to U.S. taxpayers. KBR claims that the Army directed them to purchase gas from Kuwait, and Altanmia offered the lowest price. However, investigators for Congressman Waxman found that the bidding process was conducted over the phone in a single day, without inviting industry leaders to participate. The question arose, why had KBR paid such exorbitant prices for gasoline? An email uncovered by Waxman's office detailed an August 2003 meeting between Altanmia and U.S. Embassy officials during which an Altanmia official bitterly complained that it was common knowledge that KBR managers were soliciting bribes. According to this version of events, anyone visiting KBR managers at their seaside villas at the Kuwait Hilton and offering to provide services would be asked for a bribe. Allegedly, Altanmia officials would pay substantial bribes to KBR to secure the gas contract, and then they would recoup their money by inflating the price per gallon. KBR could then invoice the U.S. government, at the higher rate per gallon and get reimbursed at a cost-plus rate. KBR vehemently denied any suggestion that its managers were extorting kickbacks from Altanmia. However, there were other emails that seemed to suggest that the U.S. Embassy, rather than KBR, had played a prominent role in the matter. On December 2, 2003, when Halliburton and the Army Corps had proposed considering alternative less expensive suppliers for fuel in response to pressure from the Pentagon and lawmakers, then-U.S. Ambassador to Kuwait Richard Jones sent an email to an unidentified U.S. official. In that email, he stated, Tell KBR to get off their butts and conclude deals with Kuwait now. Tell them we want a deal done with Altanmia within 24 hours and don't take any excuses. If Ambiu Bremer hears that KBR is still dragging its feet, he will be livid. By mid-December 2003, the Defense Contract Audit Agency, DCAA, was exerting considerable pressure on KBR to provide documentation explaining why it had contracted with Altanmia for fuel at the rate of $2.65 per gallon. This prompted KBR to seek assistance from the Army Corps of Engineers. As the contracting agency, the Corps had the unique authority to decide that it did not want to review KBR's documentation all Bunny Greenhouse knows is that on December 19, 2003, her workmates approved the waiver without her knowledge. Around that time, the Corps assigned her a new deputy, but this was not a civilian deputy. It was a military one. Greenhouse believes this was done because they could exert control over military personnel, whereas civilians were more likely to resist improper actions due to the potential legal consequences. Bunny Greenhouse alleges that her new deputy, Lieutenant Colonel Albert A. J. Castaldo, was promised various incentives to disrupt her office and remove her from her position. She claims that he was encouraged in these actions by Lieutenant General Robert B. Flowers, who was the Chief of Engineers at that time. Flowers had advised his staff to take matters into their own hands when necessary, and even had Just Do It cards printed for them. In an internal memo that Castaldo sent to one of his superiors, he acknowledged that the Just Do It card was understood to mean that he would have to take positions adverse to Greenhouse's desires to protect the command and fulfill certain actions for the benefit of the command's mission. According to Greenhouse, 
Castaldo spent weeks hovering around her administrative assistant's desk, trying to catch glimpses of her appointment book so he could inform his superiors when she would be away from the office. On December 18, 2003, Greenhouse sent a notice saying she was sick with bronchitis and would be home the next day. The next day, the waiver regarding KBR was drafted in the Corps' Dallas office, which was responsible for overseeing the RIO contract. Contracting officer Gordon A. Sumner signed it. The waiver was then flown to Washington the same day for Lieutenant General Flowers to sign. Typically, such a waiver would be logged into the Corps' computer system and assigned a tracking number. However, this process was bypassed to prevent Greenhouse's assistant from detecting the rapid passage of the waiver through government channels and notifying Greenhouse while she was at home. Greenhouse was not informed about the waiver's approval upon her return to the office, and she only learned of it in early January when it became news. This sequence of events suggests that there was a deliberate effort to keep Greenhouse unaware of the waiver's approval, potentially to avoid her interference or objections. Bunny Greenhouse's efforts to challenge the awarding of no-bid contracts to KBR did not sit well with some senior officials in the Corps. These officials, who were unfireable themselves, aimed to demote Greenhouse. By the fall of 2004, they had prepared the groundwork for her demotion. KBR had been the sole source supplier of housing, food, and other necessities for U.S. troops in the Balkans, earning nearly $2 billion under the contract since 1999. As the contract neared its expiration, there was a half-hearted attempt to open it up for competitive bidding. Bunny supported this approach as she believed KBR had been out of control and had manipulated military command changes to push for increasingly expensive items. However, in July, the competitive bidding process was abruptly halted, and Greenhouse was left puzzled as to why this decision was made. Instead, Lieutenant General Strock, the new Chief of Engineers, decided to grant KBR a $75 million contract extension until April 2005. Bunny voiced her objections, pointing out that the justification for the extension, described as compelling urgency, was questionable given that the Army had had five years to solicit other bids. It appears that Strzok eventually realized the validity of her concerns. In the contract's final version in early October, KBR was designated as the one and only one source capable of performing the job, despite the fact that the Corps had spent months considering other bids. Bunny once again strongly objected to this decision in an email to Strzok. Bunny's final email objecting to the no-bid contract awarded to KBR turned out to be the catalyst for her demotion. Shortly after sending that email, she was demoted from her position. In the letter explaining this demotion, Lieutenant General Strzok cited Greenhouse's two most recent performance ratings as being less than fully successful. Greenhouse believes that this was a deliberate effort by her colleagues to establish a negative performance record, as two consecutive negative ratings are required for punitive actions to be taken. In this case, her colleagues had waited for two years, and as soon as the opportunity arose, they took action against her. A Pentagon audit found that KBR could not document more than $1.8 billion worth of work done under its log cap contract in Iraq. Rather than withholding payments, the government negotiated a settlement with KBR. In an unusual move, an outside auditor was hired to help decide the amount KBR would be paid if it provided the necessary paperwork, and the government will then pay that amount. 
The exact profits Halliburton has made from these Iraq contracts are a subject of debate. David Lisar, Halliburton's CEO, stated that the contracts yielded $1.4 billion with a profit of only $4 million after taxes and expenses. KBR, the subsidiary handling most of these contracts, reported an operating loss of $36 million in 2003, despite generating $9.3 billion in revenue. If Halliburton bids for more Iraq contracts, they expect to increase their profit margin significantly. However, in April 2007, Halliburton sold its stake in KBR, which had become the largest military contractor in Iraq. KBR's work in Iraq and Vice President Dick Cheney's former role as a Halliburton chief executive drew attacks by Democrats in Congress who said that political favoritism helped the company win business in Iraq from the Bush administration. Mr. Lassar, 54, had said that splitting off the unit was the best way to unlock value at both Halliburton and KBR, formerly known as Kellogg, Brown and Brute. Bunnatine Bunny. Greenhouse's testimony before the Senate Democratic Policy Committee played a crucial role in shedding light on contract abuse related to the KBR contracts, particularly the Restore Iraqi Oil RIO awards. Despite facing pressure not to testify, Ms. Greenhouse's determination to expose these issues led to important legislative changes and a public decision by the Army to avoid awarding further sweetheart contracts to KBR. Her testimony helped bring about reforms to prevent the kinds of abuses she witnessed. On July 26, 2011, Bunny reached a settlement with the Army Corps. The settlement included payment of about $1 million, which represented full restitution for lost wages, compensatory damages, and attorney's fees. This settlement came after a six-year legal battle during which Ms. Greenhouse faced retaliation for her whistleblowing activities. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on this three-part series of the Halliburton Procurement Scandal on the Nichols and Crimes podcast. With me, your host, James Boom. This show was created and produced by Simba. We hope you've gained valuable insights into this complex and controversial chapter in government contracting. Nichols and Crimes is an SRM Plus production. And we invite you to stay connected with us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Telegram, and Facebook to stay updated on upcoming episodes and other intriguing stories that delve into the world of procurement scandals involving corruption, bribery, kickbacks, racketeering, and finessing taxpayers. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to bringing you more compelling stories in the future. <laughs>